The kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. Listen, there's plenty of people in this area that love a good intellectual conversation. They don't need another intellectual conversation. They need an encounter with the power of God. Thank you for listening and subscribing to the Anchor Church Podcast. It is our desire at the Anchor to provide a place for you to know God, find freedom, discover your God-given purpose, and ultimately make a difference in the world around you. Each week, the Anchor Podcast features Sunday sermons. To hear this live and before subscribers do, join us in Rockport, Maine on Sunday mornings at 10 for worship and before that at 845 for prayer service. You can follow along in this podcast episode and read the sermon notes on our website by visiting theanchor.me. Now, let's get into the Word. Father, thank you for today. Lord, I thank you for every person that's here. God, we're excited about what you're doing, Lord, in in our church. Lord, bottom line, God, it's you. It's not a man. It's not a team. It's you. So, God, thank you for coming and doing what only you can do. God, that which many people would say is impossible, God, you make it possible through your power and through your anointing. And so, Lord, today, we just thank you for just coming and sitting on us today, God, with your presence and with your glory. Thank you for opening up our hearts in our minds, God, to see literally you and your word different. Lord, all of us in this room, we just say, God, our hearts are open. God, speak. Speak loud. Speak clear. God, and make your heart evident to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Well, this morning I... I actually want us to start a a new series that we are simply entitling The Kingdom. So if you're taking notes, today's title is simply The Kingdom. Before we before we get really moving, I want to say this about I don't know around a year ago it was it was like almost everywhere I turned, every conversation I had, every book that I cracked open, just the words God's kingdom kept popping. It was like it was on blast, right? It just kept being highlighted. I mean, literally to the point that it was coming up so much that Jen and I would even be in other states meeting people for the first time, and here comes this conversation. And after a while, if you've walked with God for a while, you you learn that when stuff just keeps coming, you find Finally, just go, okay, God, I got it. What, what do you want to say? And, uh, you, you know, so I just, okay, Lord, let me make room for you. What do you want to say? And the truth is, is when God begins to bring some adjustments to your heart, it's not always comfortable. And so all this hasn't been comfortable for me, but, but I know it's him, okay? Now, now, I'll confess that while my perspective has changed in pieces, I will say this, that I have not wrapped my brain totally around this. And, and, I, and if I can say it this way, that I'm excited that I can see the tip of the iceberg, but I'm still humbled by the fact that it's just the tip of the iceberg. Anybody ever been there? So, so anyways, I, I typically wouldn't share something at this point, but I feel like I'm supposed to. So we're just going to go with it, all right? Fair enough. So today, here's just a, what I would see as a basic introduction to the kingdom of God. And I am going to give you a little bit more than what I normally give you, so just strap on the feeding sack, whatever, and get ready to eat, all right? Here we go. So if you have your Bible, go ahead and turn to Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4. We're going to look at one verse there in Matthew chapter 4. It's verse 17. The reason I want to start with this verse is because out of all the verses in the Bible, this is the one that really grabbed my attention and really got a hold of me. And so I want to start there because it changed my perspective, and I hope it will for you as well. If you're there, say, oh, yeah. If you're not there, grace to you, there's a screen. Here we go. 
Matthew chapter 4, verse 17, it says, from that time. What is it talking about? In other words, it's, this is after Jesus' baptism. This is after he spent 40 days uh, in the wilderness being tempted by the devil. And I love what Luke 4 says. It says that he returned from the wilderness in the power of the Spirit to Galilee. And he did what? That he began to preach and to say, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It has arrived. Now, for years, like many people, when I read that verse, I consistently put the main emphasis or the main focus on the word repent. In fact, I'll, I'll show you. This is the more the way I read this verse. Like that. <laughs> and the truth is, it's like I saw repent or perish, turn or burn, and I didn't really even see the rest, right? <laughs> I, I mean, I just had it. Repent. That was awesome. Now, now listen, I've come to learn that while obviously repentance is a significant part of that verse and it's a significant part of our lives amen like repentance is legit it's real right and but but you got to do it yes but but it wasn't until around a year ago that I realized that Jesus intended for us to actually read this verse like this repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand now basically all I'm saying here is this is that I that I saw that his emphasis and my emphasis uh they were they were different just a touch right so Um, Here's why this, what might seem like a small detail, here's why this is so important to us. Now, we know that in the basic form, the word repent simply means to turn away from. To turn away from. Now, to turn away from what? Turn away from our sins, yes, but mainly to turn away from ourselves and our way of doing things, right? Uh, We are really good at depending on ourselves and depending on our own abilities, our own smarts, and all of that, yes? And, And so in the basic form, repent means, once again, to turn away from. But listen, if we don't have anything or anyone to turn towards or to turn to, then guess what? Repentance is really meaningless. Yes? Let me add another verse to this train of thought. Very familiar passage. John chapter 3. It says this. It says, There was a man named Nicodemus, a Jewish religious leader who was a Pharisee. After dark one evening, he came to speak with Jesus. He said, Rabbi, we all know that God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. In other words, he was saying this. Jesus, it's clear you got something we don't have. And, and, and all I'm going to say, Jesus, is this, is, is I want to know, how do I get what you have? How do I get what you're carrying? How do I get what you're teaching? And then Jesus responds to that in verse 3. He says, I tell you the truth, Nicodemus, unless you are born again, you cannot see or enter the kingdom of God. Now, listen, when we put those verses together in Matthew 4 and in John chapter 3, I believe that Jesus is making it really clear that repentance or being born again, or we'll just say this, that salvation is what? That it's simply the front door by which we enter into the kingdom. Are you hearing me? It's just the front door. Now, I believe Paul clearly pointed this truth out to us in this way. In Colossians chapter 1, I know I'm giving you a lot, but it's intentional. Hang in there. Colossians 1 says, For he, talking about God the Father, has rescued us from what? The kingdom of darkness. Watch this. And he has transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. So I want you to think about something for a moment. Repentance is not only um, how we are forgiven, but once again, it's how we turn from our way of doing things 
to turn towards God's way of doing things, right? That, that when you and I are born again, right? I love that term. We're born, for, born of the Spirit, born from above, right? That we receive the opportunity to start our lives anew as new creations in Christ Jesus, right? And at that point, you and I have the ability. It's almost like, I'll just say it this way. The way I pictured this, a whiteboard with all my sins written on it, Jesus walks up, erases it, and what he now does, he gives me a new platform, a new position, a new life to guess what? To begin to learn how to speak and think and act what is accordance to the kingdom. Yeah. Amen? And, and that's why, listen, that, that he, the one that, listen, Jesus and the kingdom are one. You can't separate them. That the very kingdom comes and dwells within you. And guess what? Because he dwells within you and wants to live out of you. Once again, he gives you the ability by the power of the Holy Spirit through that to think and speak and act in accordance to the kingdom. Are you all with me today? So if I could, if I can maybe hit the pause button. Let's pause right there, right? Uh, I want to give you an observation. And you may agree with this, you may not. <coughs> If you don't, once again, see Angelo, right? It's the, it's the gig. But I believe if you and I could step back and we could survey all the people that have said that they are Christians over the last 25 years, I believe we would discover that many of them, please don't miss this, have mistakenly not rejected the kingdom or the kingdom message that Jesus came to bring. What they've done is, is they have reduced it. They haven't rejected it completely, right? They like the idea of Jesus. They like the idea of their sins forgiven. But, but, they, but they've reduced the power of the kingdom message. Now, over the years, I've seen people treat Jesus like this. And maybe, maybe you have too. In other words, they treat his message like this. As a get-out-of-jail-free card when they blow it. Anybody ever seen that guy? How about those people that, that simply come to, come to Jesus and receive this message because they want eternal fire insurance? In other words, they're scared to go to hell, right? And then there's people who just, man, I've seen a lot of these. They just want quick relief from their guilt and shame because uh, sin carries a weight, right? And, and they're thinking, man, if I could just get that weight off my back and just get relieved of that, man, I'll do whatever you want, God. I'll say whatever prayer right? And then there's people that have taken this message and just made it into a good moral system. Then there's those people that have went from, from just being good moral system and they've thrown it all the way to the other end of a list of do's and don'ts and, they, and they've driven people into legalism, right? Or they've driven themselves into legalism. And then there's people that just simply do this. They, they think that, man, if I, if I just show up at church once a month and I check that box and I'm good with the man upstairs, and that's the kingdom message to them. And then there's people that say, man, they just love the church and it's a big social club, I've met all of them, as I'm sure you have too, right? But, but may I suggest to you today that this uh, reduction of Jesus' message could possibly be why so many people have, uh, you know, come into a church, they've heard a message, they've run to the altar, they've said a quick prayer, and they got saved, right? And we all cheer, slap the word salvation on it. Guess what? To only find out that in a brief time later, they're back to their old ways. Something's missing there, gang. Right, and what happened is, is we have we we, we missed something because we reduced the meaning and the power of the kingdom of God, Amen. So, or how about this? And this is the group that really my heart goes out to, um, especially being from the South. I, I've met I've met a lot of good-hearted people that really, really, really want to love God and they really, really want to serve God. But the only problem is, is that they've never moved beyond the revelation of repent. They didn't read the rest of the verse. So, so everything about God is just simply salvation. And, and so they reduce the kingdom down to nothing more than just their sins being forgiven. And guess what? That one day that they'll get an eternal destination, heaven, 
right? And so what happens is these people, they spend year after year, and I've said this several times in the last past weeks, but they do this. They, they spend year after year in the struggle, right, or the cycle of struggle, sin, repent, brief moment of reprieve. Then what? They struggle, they sin, they repent, reprieve. Struggle, repent, or sin, repent, Reprieve, And what happens is they live in this cycle and they just think, man, if I can just end on a good note, <laughs> then bless God, then maybe I'll get to heaven by the skin of my teeth, right? Anybody ever met that guy yeah. or that gal? Yeah, absolutely. Listen, and, and, but here's the way I see this. It's almost like, like if you've been to the, if, if you've been blessed enough to go to our huge airport in Portland, all right? So they got these revolving doors. It's like I picture this person as that, as that person. You probably go on YouTube. It's hilarious. So anyways, they get in that revolving door, and it's like they keep missing their opportunity to get out. They, they just keep going in this circle year after year, right? They're in the circle, and they cannot get out. It's like they are stuck in the front door of the kingdom. Are you hearing me? It's like this. And I just want you to know, again, the front door of the kingdom was never designed to be the complete package. Yes? So, after all, does the Bible not say this? Romans 14, 17. <clears throat> says, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of rules about food and drink, but it is the realm of the Holy Spirit filled with righteousness, peace, and joy. Now, listen, I don't know about you, but listen, righteousness, peace, and joy uh, sounds a whole lot better to me than returning back to what I came from. Right? And, and righteousness, peace, and joy is certainly more fulfilling than a revolving door. Amen? It, so, so I'll say this. If, if you're in this room today and you're, not, and you're not enjoying righteousness, peace, and joy from the Holy Spirit, then you might be in a revolving door. Amen? And if I can maybe say it, this to you, there's more. There's more. There's more. There's more. So, so what's the solution for these people who have reduced the kingdom? I think as simple as this is how in the world can we get them connected, help them get connected? How can they help themselves get connected to the abundant life that Jesus has made available to us through the kingdom? Yes, because there's no abundant life in a revolving door. And there's no abundant life in this in and out thing of the church. Yes, unpause. All right, here we go. All right, so listen, going back to... The previous verse, if it's true that you and I have been rescued out of the kingdom of darkness and we have been transferred into the kingdom of God's son, okay? If we've been rescued out of the kingdom of darkness and we all know what that looks like and if we have actually moved into a new neighborhood, right, a new kingdom, then then wouldn't it make sense that we would actually try to figure out and know what this kingdom is really all about, especially if we're called to live there and operate from there? Shouldn't we want to know? Yes. Yes? You know, for example, I'll just say it this way. When our family moved to Maine, right? I'm a good old Bama boy. I've lived in Louisiana, and I've lived in North Carolina. I, I, have, I have spent most of my life in the good old South, right? Good old South. It was hot, right? Anyways, so Jen obviously grew up Idaho, Oregon. We met in Louisiana, moved to North Carolina for 12 years, and then came here. But li- listen to me. When our family moved here, we didn't, we didn't hunker down and stare out the window and, and get stuck in our driveway, right? <laughs> what, what, what we did, listen, we, we've been to Moosehead. Lake, right? We've been to Bar Harbor. We've been to Fort Knox. We, we've, we've been to Lighthouses. We've been to Monhegan, Vinyl Haven, North Haven, Owlsboro. Bless God. Listen, we've even been to the county. 
Yes. And, and, and when I was in the county, I saw like a 1,200-pound moose with a huge rack. Made my day. Answered my prayers. I'm telling you. I could, think, I could kiss Pastor Mark on the cheek right now. Anyway, so listen. Listen, we've hiked and we've climbed mountains. Man, we've swam in lakes. I tried to swim in the ocean. We, we've eaten... <laughs> She swam the other day. She's crazy. Anyway, so listen, we've eaten lobster. We've eaten clam. I have actually eaten a moose steak. That was pretty good. Listen, we've walked the streets of Camden and Rockland. Here's my point, that we've rubbed elbows and ate meals with the locals. We've hung out with some of uh, the spiritual leaders of this state. And we even, by God's direction, bought land and built a house. Now, now listen, why? Why? It's because we understand that if God has called us here to what? To live and to minister then wouldn't it make sense that we need to know what this state is all about? Yes. L- listen, that, it, that if, if we are going to be effective, then we need to know the culture and we need to know how it operates. And I'm here to tell you this morning, it's the same in the kingdom. So, so, you know, so just being happy that you're in the door isn't going to cut it. Right? There's no effectiveness. There's no influence. There's not much there if you're just stuck in the door and just satisfied that your blessed assurance is going to go to heaven one day. Amen. Listen, all right, so what's some key things? And this is where I might throw too much at you, but be strong. All right, here we go. All right, so so what are some things, just a few things we need to know about the kingdom, some thoughts, and maybe we'll unpack some of this in weeks ahead. But the first thing we need to know about the kingdom is simply this. is for starters, guess what? Our kingdom has a king. He's a king, right? I was, uh, some of you guys know Viv Penfold. I love Viv Penfold. He's a missionary we support, and uh, this is his book that I love. Great book, but he said this in the book, and he actually said this last time he was here preaching, so, I, I, but I want to frame it up with that, that he is a king, and I want you to hear this story. He said that he was on a rooftop in, in uh, Hyderabad, Hyderabad, whatever, India. He was in India. Okay? It was hot and food scary there. Okay, So he was there, right? And so he, he was sitting on a rooftop in India just praying, and the Lord spoke to him, and he asked him a question. He, he said basically, basically this, Viv, what is wrong with my church? It's a good question. What is wrong with my church? And, and Viv's answer was simply this. He said, uh, Lord, I believe it is a lack of authentic discipleship. Now, if you know Viv, he's about discipleship. He said, Lord, I think that's the problem. And the Lord said this, that is not the problem. He said, the problem is, is that my people worship false gods. Watch this. Don't miss this. Viv said, he said this out loud. No, Lord, we worship you, the one true and living God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And then the Lord said this. He said, many of my people create me. My people create me. Think about that. The created one creating. My people create me in their own image. What they want me to be like. And the result is, is they end up worshiping themselves. Think about that for a moment. Is that not true that in our nation right now, especially in the grace message, the hyper-grace message, even the people who are all in legalism and think God's angry all the time, they, they have created God and what they want him to be, and then they worship him. No different than a golden calf. Are you hearing me? 
the bottom line is, is, is we need to recognize who God really is. And so first and foremost, guess what? We need to know that you can't have a kingdom without a king. He is king. And interesting enough, gang, listen, as Americans, we love democracy. But I want you to know that we didn't vote this king in office and we can't vote him out. Okay, and, and, you know, listen, God is exactly as it says in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 17, that he is the eternal king. Last time I checked, Jesus is still the king of kings and the Lord of lords. He is the one who was and is and is to come, right? And so the point that I want to grab a hold of here is this, is that there has never been a time and there will never be a time when God doesn't sit on his throne. He is the eternal king. Amen. And we need as his people to see him as such. That's why for me personally... Man, I've seen people think it's cute, and it just makes me angry. Like, I despise the shirt and the old saying, and I don't think they really make them anymore, that says that Jesus is my homeboy. No, he is not. He is your king, son. Yes? Second thing we need to understand is this, is that he is a benevolent king. He is a benevolent king. (laughs) He isn't a tyrant. He's not angry. The Bible clearly says this in 1 John 4, 8. It says that God is, is love, right? He doesn't have it. He doesn't have it on Tuesday and not on Wednesday. Man, God is love. It's, it's his very nature. And so since it is his very nature, then wouldn't it make sense that he would lead his kingdom from his nature as a benevolent, kind, right, and giving king, that he has a kind heart. Yes? Am I making sense? So, so listen, at the same time, watch this, Revelations 4, 8 says that our God is holy. He's holy, right? Therefore, wouldn't it also make sense that he would lead his kingdom, right, with righteousness and justice? Wouldn't it make sense that his kingdom would be marked by purity and holiness? Amen. Listen, I, I personally believe that when we see our king, that we got to put those two revelations in place, those two truths. We have to put them in place, and we have to see that that is the whole picture of who God is, right? And I think from that nature, we say this, that our natural response of seeing that he is a loving king, but he is also a holy king, that we should love and worship him with all of our hearts. Church, listen to me. It doesn't matter if you're from Maine, if you're from Alabama, if you're from Zimbabwe, if you're from England. It doesn't matter where you're from. Worship is due to the king. Right? And worship should be a joy. Yes? It should not be a strain. It should not be a burden. It should be something that naturally boils out of our heart because we just love him. Right? I mean, how can you not go, man, thank God I've been forgiven and I'm in the kingdom. How can you not be grateful? Think about where you used to be. Yes? Listen, at the same time, our natural response should not only be just one of love and worship, but it should also be one of submission. That we should submit to the king with a humble heart. Once again, a joy to submit to the king. Because why? Because you know who he is and it's easy to honor him. Amen? So listen, this question concerning our submission, I I, I do want to say this. But because today I want to ask, man, in your life, if he's really king, who's in charge? Because, listen, the Bible does say that we are kings, right? We are a royal priesthood of a holy nation. The Bible says in Revelations, I want to say chapter 1, verse 5, I think I'm right with that, 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 that we are priests and we are kings. But the key part is he is the king of kings, so we can't, we can't get so caught up in worshiping ourselves that we forget to worship and submit to him. Yeah. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. 
So, so listen, I'll say it like this. Um, <coughs> when I was like, oh, no, like 20, 21 years old, I, I don't know if I heard it somewhere, if God spoke to I don't know. But, but I remember thinking this thought that, man, in every man and woman's heart, there's a cross and there's a throne. There's a cross and there's a throne. And we make the decision on which one we will sit upon. Are you hearing me? In other words, will we be the throne? Will we sit on the throne of our lives and be in charge of it? And, and let me just go ahead and point this out to you guys. Come, come here, Noah. We're family enough. I can be comfortable doing this with you. All right. Like, if he's God, kind of give me like your own throne there a little bit. Yeah. I, can go, I can't go down that far. So, <laughs> man, trying to, I'm not trying to do a squat today. All right. Anyways, you know, we're not like this with Jesus. Right? We're not, hey, let me sit here with you. It doesn't work that way. He is the king, right? My Bible says in Galatians 2.20 that I have been crucified with Christ. That I no longer live, but the life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God, one who loved me and gave himself to me, right? So, so my position is a cross, right? If anyone is going to come to me, he must deny himself and take up a cross. Not a throne, but a cross. He sits on the throne, I sit on the cross, Right? And I died in my flesh so he can live through me. Right? Am I making sense? So, so in essence today, you did amazing, son. And your, your gift had beyond measure. Anyway, so, <laughs> so the point is simply is this. Is, 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 let me maybe say it to you another way. Is today I really want to know which one you're on. Fair enough. Who's leading? Right? So at the same time, I want you to know today that our king is not looking for fans. He's looking for followers that will give him their wholehearted allegiance, right? This is called, what we're talking about really is lordship. And, and it's really this, this deciding factor that it's not about, hey, come to an altar, make Jesus your savior. No, 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 no. He, he'll be your savior, but come make him, here, him not only your savior, but also your lord, right? Put him in charge. Put him in control of your life. Amen? I'll say it. Amen. Here we go. <laughs> Me good. Number three. Here we go. This is kind of a no-brainer. We keep saying this in a roundabout way. But listen, if we really believe that he is a king, then he must have a kingdom. He's got to have a kingdom. Now, when we say that God rules a kingdom, what are we talking about? In simplest form, write this down, okay? Simplest form, God's kingdom is God's way of doing things. It's God's way of doing things. And I could break this down and what this word and that word means, but I'll save you some time. It means God's way of doing things. His judgments is his decisions. It's how he does things, okay? But, but to be more exact, we'll throw this up. This is a little bit more lengthy. So next slide. Yeah, good job. The kingdom of God is not a geographical place, but it is the realm or the sphere where he rules, where he reigns, where he has authority and dominion. Watch this. Over everything and everyone, everywhere, past, present, and future. In other words, he is king of all eternity. Right? So one more time. It's not a geographical place. It's a realm. It's a sphere where he rules, reigns, and has authority and dominion over everything and everybody, everywhere, past, present, and future. So I want you to know that, guess what? Not only does it have a kingdom, but watch this. Every kingdom, every kingdom has its Laws, we'll say here, spiritual laws, right, and principles, all of them have it. Natural realm, natural kingdom, supernatural kingdom, it all has principles, it all has spiritual laws, right? Yes? So watch this, next little thought in this little before we move on. It's with this understanding that, guess what, that he is a king, that he has a kingdom, 
that that when when it's this that we realize that uh, we are not Americans in heaven's eyes. You get that? Bless God. We're not Americans in heaven's eyes. We are seen. Guess what? By all creation as citizens of the kingdom of God, who just happen to be sons and daughters of the King. Don't smile at me or nothing. That's good news, and y'all just a little mad about it. Man, but seriously, we're citizens of heaven. Listen, I, I love America, right? I love America. But, but man, I love heaven more. And, and, that, and that's the, once again, if I've been transferred into a kingdom, man, that's where my citizenship is at. Amen? So I'm going to live from that world. And once again, if you're a citizen of a kingdom, wouldn't it make sense to know its laws? Yeah. Right? In other words, if, if, uh, if somebody, whatever... If, if David here, my man from North Carolina, decided to move to London next week, then what, part of the laws he's going to understand is, guess what? He needs to start driving on the other side of the road. <laughs> right? He's going to get in that car. That steering wheel is going to be on the other side. And guess what? He's got to make the adjustment. Uh, the, 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 you know, the hierarchy of, of England is not going to make the adjustment for David. And we keep pretending like that. Like, well, I'm going to come to the kingdom. And guess what? The kingdom will adjust to me. No, 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 no. Sorry, sis. Sorry, bro. No. The, the kingdom expects you to what? Shift to it. Yes. Amen? Yes. Number four. Here we go. When we read the Gospels, uh, we see that Jesus came to teach and demonstrate the kingdom. That Jesus came to teach and demonstrate the kingdom. Are you guys okay? Yes. All right. If you're not doing okay, I'm going with all those other people. So, <laughs> Watch this. For example... Jesus said this, this is all from the book of Matthew, that the kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. It's like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls. It's like a dragnet that was cast into the sea. That the kingdom is like a homeowner who brings out his treasure. A certain king who wanted to settle accounts. The kingdom is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers. A certain king who arranged a marriage for his son. A man traveling to a far country. In other words, Jesus was constantly saying and teaching, this is what the kingdom of heaven is like. To, to maybe be more exact to you, um, the word kingdom either spoken out of Jesus' mouth or by people that he was in conversations with was used 119 times in the gospel. That literally, once again, that he was constantly teaching what? The spiritual laws and the principles of how the kingdom operates. So why? So that we who are citizens would know how to function in it. Amen? But what happens is, is we just breeze on by that stuff. I've done it for 20 years. Okay, that's cool. What does it mean? I don't know. Maybe we should figure it out, Amen. right? So let me say this. Um, at its core, we, talk, we start talking about repentance. At the core, repentance means simply this, to be changed, to be changed. By being changed, we begin to once again renew our mind to learn how to think and speak and act in accordance to the kingdom. If we stop and actually think about it for a minute and we're honest with ourselves, how often do we think, speak, and act in the opposite spirit of the kingdom? A lot. Yes? A lot. So watch this. Um, this is pretty neat. I want to show you this. That, that people didn't just uh, hear about the kingdom from Jesus, but they actually saw it in action. Once again, he taught it and he demonstrated it. Let me show you a verse. Matthew 9, 35, 37. I'll bring these two together. It says that Jesus traveled through all the towns and villages of that area. Doing what? Teaching. 
in their synagogue and announcing the good news about the kingdom. It says, and he healed every kind of disease and illness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like a sheep without a shepherd. The whole first of that is he taught it. The bottom half is did what? He showed you how it operated. Yes? Now, now watch this, guys. Listen to me. Um, fast forward to our day. Are we supposed to just sit here and just know how it operates? Or are we supposed to be in a position to guess what? To be able to demonstrate it as well. And let me tell you something. There's more to demonstrating the gospel than just saying, uh, or the kingdom, than saying, Jesus loves you. Amen. I'll give you a hug, brother. <laughs> right? Now, now, are those things bad? No, but there's more to it. I, I, I love actually what it says. I want to say it's in Corinthians where Paul says, The kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. So listen, as a church, we do a really good job teaching about the kingdom in essence, right, of talking about all this stuff. we got to have in our own hearts to go for broke until we see the power. Right? Listen, there's plenty of people in this area that love a good intellectual conversation. They don't need another intellectual conversation. They need an encounter with the power of God. Right? But, but watch this. Y'all listen to me. This is our church. So that responsibility is, doesn't just sit on me and Jen. It sits on all of us. To understand that when you come in this room and, you, you know, not just go through the motions, but you go for broke worshiping your king, guess what will come? He will come. And when he comes, power comes. Yes, but that's on all of us. So we're not here. We're going to check a box, sing a cute little song, hear a nice little message. We're encouraged. Let's go home. No, 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 no. Jesus, show up. Show up. Show up. What do you want to say today? What do you want to do today? Come with power. Right? And let me tell you something. A, uh, a cute little Bible story isn't going to save anybody at your local high school. Not going to help anybody at Madomic, Oceanside. Not going to help anybody at Camden. They need to see and encounter the kingdom of God. Amen? Amen. Good preaching. Yeah. Let me just give you one last verse and we'll, we'll scoot to five. Just remember this on this note. That the, Bible, the Bible tells us in 1 John that Jesus came to destroy the works of the enemy. I love that verse. That Jesus came to destroy the works of the enemy. In other words, he came to whatever was not in, in alignment with his kingdom, he came to put it into alignment with power. Yes? So where does Jesus live now? In us. So now what are we called to do? To destroy the works of the devil. That's why the power of God's in us, right? It's not just do church. Number five, let's look at why Jesus did all this. I got two more just hanging there with me, okay? Five and six, and we're done. Here we go. Here's why Jesus did all that. Number five, Jesus came to restore, maybe a better word is reclaim or reestablish the kingdom. Do you get that? He came to restore, reclaim the kingdom. I got to go fast with you here. Real quick, Genesis chapter one, it says this. It says that, that, obviously, that Adam and Eve, I did Adam and Hannah, Hannah's wedding yesterday, and I was so thankful I got through that thing without saying Adam and Eve. <laughs> it's incredible. So, so, so uh, Adam and Eve, guess what? The Bible says that God created them in his image, and he gave them dominion. 
right? He gave them dominion. He gave them authority to do what? The Bible says in Genesis 1 that if anything got out of order, that it was their responsibility to put it into order. Fast forward to Genesis chapter 3. We know Satan comes in the garden. He tempts them, and they do what? They sin. What happened at that moment is they handed over the kingdom. They handed over the dominion. They handed over their authority. If you think, no, that's not right. Fast forward all the way to uh, Luke chapter 4, and here's Jesus in the wilderness, and Satan tempts him and says what? He says, I will give you the kingdoms of the world if you bow down and worship me. Notice that Jesus never said, you don't have those, those are mine. He didn't argue with him. Why? Because Adam surrendered it to him. So he was, he was accurate in what he was saying. Now watch this, though. There's a, there's a prophecy in Genesis uh, 315. It's the first prophecy. There's like 3,000 prophecies concerning Jesus. This is the first one, okay? So in Genesis 315, it says that there will be a day that the seed of the woman, we know the seed of the woman is Mary, the virgin birth right here, right? That what will happen is that one day that, guess what? The, the serpent's head will bruise his heel, but his head will be crushed. Is that, is that what it says, right? So fast forward to, we're talking about here, Jesus came to restore the kingdom. What happened is when he was hanging on the cross, there was a common theme when someone was hanging on the cross, right? That they would literally have to push themselves up so they could breathe, right? And in that process of pushing themselves up to breathe, they bruised their heel. But through the cross, guess what happened? He crushed the head of Satan. Why? Because he came to restore back the kingdom. He came to get back the authority. Am I making sense? So, so here's the thing. Now, why do you do that, right? It, it's, it's, it's to do this. He told us, when he told us how to pray, in Luke 11, verse 2, he says, Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In other words, through his cross and through his resurrection, through restoring the kingdom, he reconnected heaven and earth. And if we, if we realize this or not, that this realm that Jesus is in, it's paper thin in between this realm, It's not some distant realm that's far away. Man, it's close. And we get to interact with this realm as he interacts with us. Yes? Number six. Here we go. Number six. He came to restore the connection between heaven and earth. And now what's he doing? Watch this. So not only did he... So he came to restore the kingdom. Number six, right here. What's happening is doing what? He is entrusting us now with his kingdom. So get this. All this renewing your mind, all this stuff from the Bible that he wants to teach you is trying to do what? That he came to restore the kingdom. He snatched it back from the enemy. But now he's saying this, but now I need to restore my kingdom and my people. Right? And, and what happens is when he begins to restore the kingdom and his people, I love what it says in Luke chapter 12, verse 32. It says, for it is the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Do you understand that? What, what, everybody look at me, please. He didn't give us a church. He didn't give us a small group. He didn't give us a prayer meeting. Right? He, he, didn't, he didn't give us heaven. He gave us a kingdom. He, gave, he, he imparted in us his kingdom. That's pretty big, yeah? That's better than a trip to Walmart. <laughs> Lord Jesus. Don't know where that came from. So here's why I'm saying that is, is because... I'll give it to you in two ways. This doesn't simply mean that he's given us the blessings of the kingdom, but it also means he has given us the responsibilities of the kingdom. So in this sense, when we start looking at these basic biblical truths, basic biblical teaching, teachings like discipleship, sonship, faith, 
Spiritual authority in warfare, obedience, submission, right? Blessings of repentance, the joy of surrender, leadership, the grace gifts, the spiritual gifts, right? The anointing, the power of prayer, the power of praise and worship. All of those things are nothing more than than small pieces of the puzzle, puzzle that make this giant picture of the kingdom. That's all they are. In, in fact, I'll say it this way. What I wanted to teach on today is I really wanted to teach on spiritual authority. And what I realized is actually I went to go do it and I heard the Lord say, Quentin, how will they ever understand spiritual authority if they don't ever understand the kingdom? So that's why we're teaching this today. Because the thing is, is we can't really understand any of those things I just said if we don't have a foundation and understanding of how the kingdom operates. It's all rooted there. Yes? All right. So listen, though. Um, when we allow all those pieces to give, have free access in our hearts to do what? To change us, to equip us, and all those things. What happens is, is then the Holy Spirit comes alongside and says, Hey, co-labor with me, partner with me, as we once again restore the kingdom in your generation. So listen to me. Your responsibility today is to, if, if you live in Warren, if you live in Union, if you live in Lincolnville, if you're down in Cushing, if you're in uh, St. George, if you're up in Lincolnville, Northport, wherever you live, it's Camden, Rockport, your mission is to help restore the kingdom in your area. Yeah. That's what we're called to do. Yeah. Amen? Amen? Amen. Let me see if I want to say anything else. <laughs> Let me just sum it up with this. Let me read this and sum it all up. The very power and the beauty of the message of salvation, going all the way back to the top, the message of salvation has caused many people to think that this is all that there is, when in fact our salvation introduced us to a Savior who is also a king, and everything finds its purpose and fulfillment under his rule, which is called the kingdom of God, and now he's invited us to continue the restoration mission. Pretty simple, right? There's your synopsis. There's my thesis statement. So question for you today is before we pray I just in your own heart man who's sitting on your throne is it you or is it God to ask yourself today man am I really viewing him from the proper perspective do I see him as a king and am I worshiping him and I am I submitting to him as my king or am I just called up and just whatever I'm God's just common that's just Jesus Right? Because there's a position in our heart that determines, uh, determines the, the magnitude, the end of all of this. Yes? Amen. You can stand to your feet. If you're here today and you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, I will say this, that he wants the throne. Amen? Amen. And I gave him that throne, I think like 20... Two years ago now, there's not a day that I've regretted it. Life is a whole lot better when you're out of control. Amen? So let's pray. (coughs) Father, we thank you today, God, for who you are. Lord, that you are king, that you are Lord. God, that you've always been king and you'll always be king. And so, Lord, today, God, wherever we're at in this room, God, if we've never uh, connected to you, God, if we've been walking with you for 40 years, God, today, we just want to take that posture again that you are Lord and that you are king. And, Father, we gladly worship you and we gladly submit to you today. God, if we've never made you the Lord of our lives today, we just simply say, God, you can have the throne. My life is yours. God, come. Yes, forgive me of my sins. Yes, deliver me from my own ways. But, God, help me to live in your way. 
ways. Help me to live according to your kingdom. I make you Lord. I make you in charge. I make you ruler of my life. I surrender the keys. They're yours, God. So, Lord, for the rest of us here, God, that have been walking for a long time, Lord, I'm just asking, God, that just the, the principles of the kingdom, God, would begin to ignite within us. And, Lord, I pray, God, that we begin to see that what you've deposited in us, God, you've deposited in us for a purpose. God, and that purpose is to help reclaim and help restore the kingdom in our generation. And so, Father, we pray, God, for a, a greater measure, not only of the anointing upon our life, but, God, also revelation and understanding, God, that we would know how your kingdom operates, God, and we would begin to walk in it, God, that we'd begin to think and we'd speak and we'd act, God, according to the kingdom. And, Lord, we just believe just as, as we follow Jesus' example, guess what happens? That people come, that people are drawn to you. And so, Lord, we pray, God, that when people are drawn not to us, not to who we are, not to our great charisma, but, God, when they're drawn to you, God, that we'll hear from heaven and we'll be able to say exactly what you're saying to them. And, Lord, we thank you, God, that people would have an encounter, God, with the power, an encounter with the kingdom that would change their lives forever. And so, Father, whatever you need to do to work in in our hearts and shift whatever you need to shift in our hearts. God, we give you permission to do it today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you for joining us today. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram for encouragement in your walk with God and to receive updates on events happening at The Anchor. Have a great week and God bless.